The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Hello, and welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, and I'm the Executive Minister, Senior Assistant Minister, and the Director of the Johnny Cohen Institute at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago. I'm in the midst of teaching a new series now. Well, let me not say I'm in the midst of teaching a new series. I'm starting a new series today. I've been teaching Ask, and it is given pretty much the whole year, and my mind just wants to teach something else. So even though I was going to do the second half of the book, I've decided not to do that. Maybe I might come back to it later at another time and complete it, but my mind just wants to do something new and fresh. So I'm going to do something new and fresh. So I have decided to do something on prayer. Looking around at different prayer books, I thought it, I thought I would do something unique. Uh, the Dr. Rocco Errico, the Aramaic Bible scholar and Near Eastern expert, wrote a book many years ago called Setting a Trap for God, the Aramaic Prayer of Jesus. And this book is basically about the Lord's Prayer from the Galilean Aramaic perspective of people from the Near East or Middle East that has been passed down in their traditions based upon the language. Now, I'm not going to try to be an Aramaic specialist because I don't know Aramaic. I don't know how to speak it. I don't know how to read it. I don't know how to write it. I'm not a linguist. I'm a metaphysician. I'm a teacher. I'm a minister. However, there are concepts in the book that I think can be beneficial to you, and that's why I'm bringing it to you. So I'm going to teach you chapter by chapter. It's a small book. But I highly recommend that you get it so you can follow along with me. Again, it's uh, Setting a Trap for God by Rocco A. Errico. And maybe just maybe I'll ask him to come on after I finish the book and we can um, discuss it a little bit more. Anyway, let's get to it. So turning to page five. And he has some things he wants to say. Um, He says, modern terms such as affirmation, visualization, mind treatment, active imagination, treasure mapping, and masterminding make the use of the word prayer definitely appear outdated. Everyone seems to have special ideas about what it means to be in contact with universal spiritual forces. That many individuals who think that prayer is simply telling God spiritual forces what to do. Others imagine that God, omnipotent mind, or the boundless universe is like some huge, magnificent cosmic vending machine, cranking out cars, homes, money, health, relationships, or whatever other notion may pop into your mind. And so then he starts to give to explain the Semitic. So what he's basically saying is we use a lot of substitute words for prayer, but when we start looking at them, often they're methods of prayer. 
he's going to give his argument why. So, again, on page five, he says, in ages long past, hoary Semitic savants and language makers gave birth to a unique Semitic word, slothop, that we have translated in English as prayer. The word prayer in its original sense from the ancient Aramaic tongue has a distinct meaning, and we can better understand the intent of this Semitic term by uncovering its roots, significance, and relevance. All right. Now, page six, the Aramaic meaning of prayer. And remember that Jesus was an Aramaic-speaking Jew, so he's using that within the context. He wrote, the word for prayer in Aramaic is slotha. It means it comes from the root word slop, which literally means to trap or to set a trap. Thus, prayer in its initial sense implies setting your mind like a trap so that you may catch thoughts of God. In other words, to trap the inner guidance and impulses that come from your inner spiritual source. Let's just stop there for a moment. Setting the mind like a trap to catch the thoughts of God, to catch the grace of God, to catch the inspiration of God, to catch whatever it is that you're trying to catch. These divine ideas, these divine attributes, these divine qualities. Setting your mind like a trap. Now, what does a trap do? A trap is sensitive. And when triggered, it captures whatever, you know, in whatever way the trap is created to catch, it'll catch whatever comes across it. Now, this in this language, it is saying, is your mind open, receptive, and sensitive enough to catch the divine inspiration of God? Are you open, receptive, and sensitive enough? They have traps, you know, unfortunately in the world where sometimes traps, you know, you see like bear traps or something, and all it takes is a slight touch in it, and those, you know, basically claw-like mechanics snatch the bear's leg. And excuse me for using such a graphic example, but I'm trying to make it plain. You know, it's just a little sensitivity makes it grab. Can you work with your mind? Maybe prayer is a little bit more than I'm talking to God. Maybe it's also developing an inner receptivity so you can hear what God is trying to say to you with the spirit of God in you. Not some big man in the sky. By and by, somebody up there likes me. But the omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient God that expresses individually is you. What is God in you trying to communicate. He goes on to write. Page seven, prayer also means a state of mind, a state of mind, which we steal all personal thoughts and make no attempt to project outwardly. It is an alert state of total sensitivity and attentiveness. All right. So, this sounds more now like meditation and reflection, contemplative meditation. It makes you think. Where are you with your contemplative meditation? Because 
you know, just to have a busy mind all over the place will necessarily get you the results you desire. You know, I really want to make that plain. It won't get you the results you desire. So part of working with prayer is developing the mind that can dance with divine ideas, that can capture them, that the sensitivity to that process. So it goes on to write other meanings of prayer. In Aramaic, the word slotha carries other meanings such as these, to focus, to adjust, to incline, and to tune in. A modern way to say it would be to select a channel. If I was, if I were going to speak to you in Aramaic and ask you to turn on the television to a television set to a particular channel, I would have to use the Aramaic root sly for prayer. It would mean to select the proper channel, to adjust the set, or to tune in the desired program. So again, what he's trying to get across is prayer is focus, focused on the divine attributes of God in you, through you, and in the universe to adjust. Okay, adjust your thinking away from the appearances. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, judge not according to appearances, but judge righteous judgment to incline or to tune in. I've been teaching with the Asking and Giving series before this and before that, the Power of Intention series about being in divine alignment with the spirit within. Tune in, align. You got to recalibrate. So part of that process is getting to know all of these things. Again, he goes on to say, page seven, in prayer, then we are adjusting and preparing our minds and hearts to receive God's program. Oh, I love that. I love that. Are you willing to get on God's program? One of the things we teach in the Universal Foundation for Better Living, which is the organization that ordained me, trained and ordained me, Christ Universal Temple is the mother church of the Universal Foundation for Better Living. Our first statement of faith is, we believe that it is God's will that every individual on the face of this earth should live a healthy, happy, and prosperous life. For us, that's God's program. Are you willing to get on the Healthy, Happy, and Prosperous Life program? Are you willing to get on the Empowered program? Are you willing to be obedient to the Spirit as it imparts in, through, and as you divine wisdom, divine understanding, divine love, divine power, divine supply, divine peace, divine health? Just being in that space. It says, God, spiritual forces, God is always broadcasting and televising. The heavenly and universal transmitter operates around the clock and never goes off the air. Spirit is constantly beaming, sending, and signaling to everyone and everything in creation. Infinite, loving, 
intelligence is everywhere and through everything. He's teaching omnipresence. All right. It's not that God isn't broadcasting. It's not that God isn't talking. It's not that God isn't inspiring, that God isn't being God. There's nothing you can do to stop God from being God. The question is, are you adjusting and preparing your mind and heart to receive God's program? Because God is Godding all the time. God is. You know, I know Godding is not probably a proper word. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I heard a metaphysical teacher teacher years ago, and I also heard Dr. Erico actually use this term in Christ Universal Temple once that God is always Godding. You don't have to tell God to be God, but you do have to get in tune. You do have to align. You do have to be open, receptive, and sensitive to the divine inspiration and flow of God. And again, as I go through this book and I'm going through these Aramaic terms, it's highly probable that I'm going to mispronounce some words. I'm saying that right out the bat for the Aramaic-speaking people who might listen to this. If Dr. Rocco Errico gets a hit, gets finds out about these podcasts, I'll probably end up sending him anyway and asking him to come on when I finish. But however it shakes out, working with prayer from a from a different perspective, we're not saying don't affirm your good. You know, I'm for that. I'm not saying don't speak the word for yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that the objective aspect of prayer shouldn't be followed. But if you've been following my show for a while, I believe that that. Prayer has uh, is like a coin. It has two sides. One is an objective side, and one is more subjective. And what I mean by that is the, there's the affirmative, objective, speak the word, visualize your good, you know, aspect of prayer. And then there's the other side, which is the be still and know that I am God side. You know, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall, you know, dwell under the shadow of the Almighty side. Both sides. You need both sides. It's not an either or, it's an and. It's a both. All right? So, Dr. Erico goes on to write, setting a trap for God is the ancient meaning of prayer. And it suggests that we can trap all the love, joy, truth, peace, energy, and compassion we need when we are receptive to all uh, which is rightly ours. It is truly an attitude of heart and mind that prepares us for whatever is necessary. This kind of prayer qualifies us to receive God's provision and in turn to express gratitude and thankfulness. All right. Okay. So now he starts to stop playing around with the term God. All right. All right. So, well, he has one other thing, uh, but I think you get the point of that. You know, for time's sake, I'm going to move on. I'm not going to read every page and every sentence and every paragraph. We'll try to hit the main stuff. Get the book. It's worth your read. For those who don't know, I am a huge Dr. Rocco Erico fan. Dr. Erico is the man, in my opinion. Now, page eight, the meaning of God. All right? Because when we start talking about prayer, we need to deal with that concept. All right? He says, God is as a word simply means a deity. The Aramaic term for God is Allah. In Arabic, it's Allah. In Hebrew, Elohim or Elohim. All of these root, all of these words 
for God derived from the same Semitic root, El or El, or Al or El. Again, you know, it's highly probable that I'm going to mispronounce some things. There are various ideas about the Semitic root meaning of this word. Here are a few examples. The strong or mighty one, the revered one, the highest one, the helper, the supporter, the one who sustains. Let's start to think about that, how these people were wrestling with terms. Now, you have to discover what that means to you. You know, as I've told you before on this show, Joe Goldsmith had that uh, insight when he was struggling as a Christian science practitioner. Financially, he was struggling. And even though he was doing great work as a healer and he had the thought as he was walking to his office, he the biblical quote, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor see begging for bread. And he started to ask himself, well, it's not God. Then what's going on with me? And he started to ask himself, what do I know about God? He said, well, Jesus called God Father. He said, Father, but that's what Jesus called God. He said, I know God is law. Well, I got that from Moses. Said, well, I know God is principle. I got that from Mary Baker Eddy. Then he had to realize that what he understood about God was secondhand information. And he had to get really clear in his own mind what God meant to him. Now you can give insight to these other terms because you're clear. You're not living off of secondhand, thirdhand knowledge, somebody teaching you. You take the information that somebody teaches you and you internalize it and, and create your own inner realization. Because until it's real in your soul, it's not real to you. All right. Back to the book. Another Aramaic term for God is. And again, probably will mispronounce this, athea, meaning self-existent, self-cohesive, and sustaining. This term is qualitative and refers to the external existence, i.e. something that exists of itself and does not derive its life from anywhere or through anything else. In other words, God is all there is. Everything we call a thing derives its existence from Athea. Now, we start talking about the self-existent one. Now you can see why scripture starts talking about I am that I am. You know, because now you're recognizing that self-existence means I'm not relying on anything for self-definition. I am that I am. All right? Now, why is this important? Because it removes this concept of God as the big man upstairs who likes me. And if he likes me, he'll give me stuff. If I'm in the right religion, he'll give me stuff. If I'm born in the right uh, country or city or town or family or the right side of the tracks, he, because normally always a he, some culture, she will give me something versus divine principle versus spirit versus the universal source versus universal uh, life intelligence. All these different terms that New Thought uses for God is to break the old crystallized beliefs in God as a supernatural human-like being. And we get to presence and power. 
All right. He says it this way. This presence permeates and acts through the, throughout the universe. It effectively keeps evolving our awareness of its power and maturing our individuality. Athea flows in us and out from us always. It has its own sustaining energy. Athea is the force within and behind the universe that keeps everything on the move. This universal power is the same living, sustaining presence that abides within us. All right. So this is part of the process of understanding that they weren't trying to think of some big guy in the sky when they were coming up with these root words and terms. So this gives us insight to be able to go back to go forward, go back to go forward. And I'm always saying that you have to go back to go forward. But if you have the concept wrong, you can only build on a weak foundation. All right. Back to the book. All right. There's so much stuff in this in this first chapter. It's almost unreal. Uh, but let me see how much the other do I really want to cover in one time. So let me do this. Let me take a quick break and give you a commercial really quickly. The commercial is. Make sure you check out my sermon that I did for Christ Universal Temple on August 27th, 2023. It's called The Path of Most Allowance. It was under the series, The Will to Do It. Check that lesson out. I did a series of teaching how to create greater allowance in the soul. And I also guided the people through an affirmative prayer treatment process to divinely align with the truth in their being by using the spoken word, music, and explanation for that alignment. You definitely want to check that lesson out. August 27th, 2023. All right. Now, moving on, moving on uh, to the break. We'll be right back with True Transform. to the book it goes on to say now he has a, a part in where it says intelligence and infinite intelligence is everywhere infinite intelligence is everywhere all right he goes on to write since Allah God is everywhere present and is the essence of all life we can easily see that we are living in an in an internal spiritual universe this living presence fills the cosmos the entire cosmic system is vital and dynamic. There's order in it all. There's intelligence in it all. This, is, again, goes back to core principles we teach in New Thought. So as we're studying the language, we're discovering that New Thought teaches what 
the original language was trying to promote. I really want this to land because New Thought is a branch of the mystical and metaphysical traditions of religions around the world. Now, it came out of the a metaphysical interpretation of the Judeo-Christian faith. In other words, the early New Thought leaders were trying to make sense of the Bible by using metaphysics to understand it. But when we read this type of material, then we read Charles Fillmore, Ernest Holmes, you know, you know, Eric Butterworth, Melinda Kramer, Nona Brooks, Joseph Murphy, Neville Goddard, Joel Goldsmith. It doesn't make a difference who the person is that was teaching Christian metaphysics, Mary Becker Eddy, et cetera. What we discover is when we read books like what Dr. Erica was writing is that what New Thought has been teaching for the last 150 years or so in the United States and then the world is very consistent with the ancient Semitic mystical thoughts. All right, back to the book. All right. Just going to jump over a few things and go right to inner intelligence, page 12. Inner intelligence governs the physical body and regulates all living cells that make life and health. It is the spirit that gives life, John 6, 63. In other words, the spiritual intelligence within us grows our physical forms. Our bodies are in the constant care of God or infinite intelligence. This awesome power continually and spontaneously works to heal all psychic and physical wound. So there's a divine life within us that does this healing work. And when we, through the power of prayer, align with it, it can better flow into our experience. It's always there, but we have the resistance. That's why I want you to listen to my sermon, The Path of Most Allowance. Because we have to learn how to allow what already is perfect, whole, and complete to have its way in our life, world, and affairs. All right? Okay, back to the book. All right. Page 14, A Misconception of Prayer. And again, I'm skipping over things. You get When you get the book, make sure you read straight through. All right. A Misconception of Prayer. Prayer is not telling God what to do. God knows how to run the universe. Oh, that's just right there. Oh, man. Oh, man. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't affirm our good or focus or try to be distinctive in our prayer as needed. But we have to be reminded that we don't have to tell God how to be God. All right. He says in the next paragraph, the purpose of prayer is not to change God, but to change us. That's pure new thought. All right. Pure new thought. Prayer changes me. Prayer changes you. Prayer does not change God. What type of God would withhold good from you until you got around to saying uh, the right words or you joined the right religion or you were on the right side of politics and all of this type of stuff? Only thing we're ever talking about is consciousness. This is what I always try to get across to you on this show. All right. God is not like a supernatural Santa Claus checking the list checking it twice, trying to find out who's been naughty and nice. We're talking about consciousness, and consciousness allows and consciousness resists. That's it. Consciousness allows, consciousness resists. 
And when we are learning from these biblical principles, especially as we espouse them in new thought, is how to get in a state of most allowance. All right. He says it this way. What prayer accomplishes is this. It it helps us to understand ourselves. It attunes us to spiritual forces around and in us, and it nourishes our spirits. Prayer brings a clearer atmosphere into our minds so that we may comprehend our world and other human beings. He also wrote, we must also fully realize that we can consciously work with this inner intelligence to guide us in solving the problems we face in life. All right. This is the reason Jesus gave us his form of prayer. I refer to his style of prayer as attuning attitudes. See, I'm just it's saying the same thing. Attuning attitudes. All right. How do you get past the fear? How do you get past the frustration? How do you get past the doubt? How do you get past the anxiety? This is what Jesus's model for prayer will help you do. Not to mention my sermon from August 27th, 2023. (laughs) All right. So then he goes on the bottom of page 15, praying in Jesus's name. And on page 16, he even quotes John chapter 16, verses 23 through 24. In that day, You will not ask me for a thing. Truly, truly, I say to you that anything you may ask my father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked for a thing in my name and ask, asking you will receive so that your joy may be complete. All right. But what does it mean to pray in Jesus's name? You know, I've seen things on TikTok and YouTube a lot lately was trying to say, well, if you don't say Jesus's name in the proper language, then God can't hear you. And and they're, you know, they're debating on, you know, Aramaic and Hebrew and Latin and Greek and all of this other stuff. And almost universally uh, agreeing that it's not English. Now, I'm going to teach the Aramaic concept, which I think aligns with what I've been trying to teach you all for 11 plus years. That, again, it's a consciousness thing. It's a consciousness thing. Life is consciousness. He wrote, to truly pray in his name means to pray with the same understanding about God and the human family that Jesus had. The Aramaic term, and again, probably we'll butcher this, Bashima or Bashimi. I don't know if whatever one it is. I'm just going to go with Bashimi. Uh, in my name implies according to my way, method, approach, or technique, or with my kind of understanding. Jesus encouraged his disciples to pray to the Father in his name, but he meant for them to pray in the manner he taught them. That's all. It's not saying Jesus, 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 or Yeshua, 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 or Yeshua, 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 or whatever other translation you have. It's according to my way, method, approach, technique, or with my kind of understanding. In other words, Understand God, life, and yourself in a way that I understand it as you utilize this technique called prayer. All right, he he gives an example. For example, scientists have learned the secret of splitting atoms through Einstein's method or formula. However, scientists do not command the atom and say, in the name of Einstein, atom split. But yet, many well-meaning people use Jesus' name in this way and expect something special to happen. 
it is as if there were magic in uttering his name. Merely, merely saying his name will not cause the desired results any more than saying the name of Einstein will make the atom split of its own accord. The answer to praying in Jesus' name then lies in knowing and experiencing the same awareness that Jesus had and felt. What are they? That God is a loving parent. That God is the source of all good. That God is for us and never against us. That we're all his, or I would say, it's children. That his or his children, that as his children, we can receive all good things a loving parent has for us. This is the spiritual equation that Jesus revealed and taught. Living in this awareness positive, positively negates all that is not good. Awareness is another word for consciousness. So as your consciousness changes, your experiences changes. change. Why? Because consciousness produces form. Consciousness produces form. So what we're going to do with this particular, and I'm I'm going to stop here because some of the rest of the stuff is just stuff that you can read on your own. The only thing that I'm going to end with is the Aramaic prayer, as he, Dr. Erico translates it, of uh, the Lord's Prayer, the, Aram, the translation of the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. But I want you just to land as we start to go through line by line of the Lord's Prayer from the ancient Semitic point of view. We're also going to drill down on how it parallels so perfectly with the new thought message. So let me give you this translation of the Aramaic uh, Lord's Prayer, Aramaic translation of the Lord's Prayer. I don't know why I'm just butchering words today, but stay with me, y'all. Our Father, who is everywhere, let your name be set apart. Come your kingdom or counsel. Let your desire be, as in the universe, also on the earth. Provide us our needful bread from day to day and free us from our offenses as also we have freed our offenders. And do not let us enter into temptation, but separate us from error. For belongs to you the kingdom, the power, and the song and praise from all ages Throughout all ages, sealed in trust, truth, and faithfulness. Now, what we're going to do for the rest of this series is break down line for line what that means. So hopefully you'll get something out of this. I hope that it will change your prayer life. I hope that it will you will focus. And from time to time, I might break the series just to interview some friends. I got some friends of mine that are doing some great things, and I want to be able to talk about those things. So you, that might happen from time to time, but I'm not stopping until I finish this book, all 10 chapters. So with that, God bless you. Let's continue to do the work. And I'll be with you next time, next week, matter of fact, with True Transform. God bless. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. 
I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.